welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending December 31st, 2022. This week, Raul promises a short episode. Also this week, Raul is a liar. I'm Kim Hollis, someone who is happy Southwest doesn't fly out of the Knoxville airport. Thank goodness. (laughs) I flew American and it went perfect. With me are Tim Bridey, content creator and gamer, still not signed by the Mets. Uh, We're waiting on the results of the physical. I'm told that they're not happy with it, but I'm sure this will be worked out in in due time and I'll have more to say about it next week. (laughs) Just pretend like you signed with the Giants and the Mets will offer you anything. (laughs) (laughs) Also, David Mumpower, author of Disney Demystified, streaming media analyst, and someone who gets a lot more work done when Kim's not around. It seriously makes me wonder what percentage of my thought process is dominated by Kim when I notice she's around. (laughs) And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who's wishing he hadn't torn up his vaccine card. Whoever thought I'd need that again? (laughs) Traveling to Shanghai Disneyland? You can go in, but you can't get out. (laughs) (laughs) This week, as we enter the new year, and with news a little slow, we're going to spend just a couple minutes discussing some of the entertainment we're looking forward to in 2023. Raul, tell us your list. I am going to be mercifully short here. I'm just going to rattle off a whole bunch of titles. And I'm going to start with, I think, what I'm most excited about and what really had me thinking about this list. And that is the new season of Star Trek Picard, season three, which is also the last season. It's reuniting most, uh, if not all, of the original Star Trek Next Generation cast, as well as reportedly some cast members from some of the other shows, including Deep Space Nine and probably Star Trek Voyager. It's got me really excited. I really want to see, honestly, the thing I'm most excited about is, are they actually going to reintroduce the Enterprise? I want to see that. I am a big Star Trek nerd. I'm looking forward to that. As a uh, big DC Comics nerd, yes, I'm looking forward to the Flash movie in theaters, if it ever actually comes out, considering some of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff going on with the cast. I don't know if that movie is actually going to get released, but Warner Brothers really can't not release it, uh, so... I feel they're just going to plow ahead with it regardless of what happens with Ezra Miller and their legal travails. So you've already mentioned a couple of things that are interesting to me and not necessarily in a good way. And the first one is Star Trek Picard season two was a huge disappointment. The first season was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Second season just fell off a cliff. You could tell it was pandemic affected and they didn't have solid ideas for it. So to me, while I'm excited to see a reunion of Star Trek Next Generation, something I love, I just got so burned by the last season. I'm nervous about it. And then for me, the Flash is an MST3K thing. I I mean, I am going to be (laughs) expecting the absolute worst and then they'll probably still throw under that. This is what sexism looks in comic book cinema right now. There is no reason this project should be moving forward based on everything that has happened behind the scenes. And yet they've just said, you know what, that's one of the famous Justice League people. So we're going to do this no matter what. And then you look at what's happened with Wonder Woman 3 and they've just ended it. 
And you're just looking around going, what rules are you using? And are they from 1962? It's just infuriating. Certainly, there are issues with The Flash. Ezra Miller is currently... Probably incarcerated. Yeah, and presumably on trial for some Mm -hmm. really rather terrible things. I don't know how Ezra Miller gets out of this without jail time. And let's also say, not just, you know, illegal, weird. Like, really, really indefensible stuff they couldn't be more toxic at the moment than they are right now and it's just i loved ezra miller when they were on royal paints i thought they were going to be one of the biggest stars in the industry and i fully believe they were the type of talent you could build justice league around but what's happened since then just cannot justify this Yeah, the reason I'm excited about The Flash is because it's a multiverse-type story. It's supposed to be bringing back characters from other DC properties. This is where we're supposed to finally see Michael Keaton back as Batman after Michael Keaton's appearance in the Batgirl movie got erased, as did the whole Batgirl movie. Now, given what it is as a multiverse movie, you think they could pull something like, you know, recast The Flash with somebody else, maybe even bring in Grant Gustin from the Arrowverse uh, CW shows as The Flash, and people would show up at the theater expecting Ezra Miller, and there's Grant Gustin instead. That'd be very mind-blowing. They're not going to do that. They haven't recast The Flash. Ezra Miller is going to move ahead as The Flash in this project before this whole Snyderverse thing gets scrubbed from existence, and we all forget that it ever happened. But I I do want to see what they do with uh, all the Multiverses, and I do want to see who they bring back, who plays all the Batmans and who plays all the Supermans that they might introduce just to see what they do with it. It's exciting enough for me to be interested and for me to look forward to it. I, w- I do want to see what they do with it. I wish they had recast and they had, in fact, reshot some scenes. I feel they had more than enough time to do it, given that the Ezra Miller stuff has been breaking for years now and they and this movie has been in production for years we'll just have to see how it how it plays out and whether warner brothers can really deflect when i feel that the right thing for them to have done would have been to probably recast the lead in this movie can i go to a happier note Raul? yeah Okay, because I think there's one thing, at least one thing, that def- would have made all four of our lists, and that is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Um, yes. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Part 1, yes. Because I want to see what new and exciting ways they find to kill Tom Cruise. Yes, uh, and we already we already get him, like, hyping up. We already kind of know, yeah. We, are, yeah. we already get him hyping up the movie on, like, videos on, like, YouTube, where he, then he, like, you know, jumps out of a helicopter or something like that, like, thanking audiences. Like, cool. Okay, yeah, we, we're ready, Tom Cruise. Please, please give us more, and we're going to yeah, this one one next year and one in, in 2024. Can't wait. First of all, we've been saying this for a while now. Starting with Mission Impossible 3, those are near perfect sequels from Mission Impossible 3 up to now. It is remarkable. I think all of them finished in my top three for their year of release. And now we've got this and we showed that behind the scenes thing. Well, first of all, they played it in IMAX in front of Avatar The Way of Water and our audience cheered wildly for that. I mean, (laughs) lost their minds. And then we showed it at Christmas dinner because we had the TV on and the football game wasn't very good. And my family was just like, how are they faking this? How are they faking this? And I'm like, they're not. This idiot just said, hey, I just jumped. I think I could jump a little better if I'd stayed on my bike longer. He wants to die on camera, as near as I can tell. But as long as the movies are great, I don't care. Do you? I just dread the moment his parachute doesn't open. As everybody just watches the biggest movie star 
in the world come tumbling down a rock face to his death. So That's far- what's so great about those is like if you watch the videos, the people filming it are just holding their breath going, he hasn't pulled his parachute yet. He hasn't pulled his parachute yet. Nobody wants to be like, you know, on the production crew for the Tom Cruise movie where he died. And it's like even Jackie Chan is going, you know what? That's too hardcore. You need to settle down. <laughs> yeah, there's a few theatrical movies I'm looking forward to. There's the John Wick Chapter 4. That one looks very promising. They've been promoting that one for months. Heck yeah. The new Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I feel this is very similar to the situation we had with Star Trek Picard, where, yeah, Picard season two, disappointing. The last Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I don't know that you can find anyone who says that they liked it. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. But the trailers to the new trailers, one. Trailers, yes. Yeah, the trailer to the new one looks fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, and I would agree that the trailer to the new season of Picard does look extremely good just as the new trailer for Indiana Jones does. It's just perfect. I suppose I have to look forward to the new season of Halo. Maybe this is an inverse <laughs> Picard. <laughs> it is also on Paramount Plus, just like Picard. So they got maybe, a season two? Yep, they got a oh. season two. Oh, boy. So maybe if season one sucked, uh, they'll take some of the critique and improve it in season two. We'll see where that goes. Well, let's look at it from the optimist perspective. If there are people who learn from their mistakes... Halo season two will be the greatest season of television ever, but we all know that's not going to happen. For me, one of the first series that I'm excited about is called Wolfpack. It's from the creator of the Teen Wolf series that was on MTV, but not necessarily related to Teen Wolf. Tell me this is about the NWO. (laughs) It is not about the NWO. Uh. It is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer type inspired series, and it stars Sarah Michelle Gellar. The wolf people are teens, so she might be playing the Giles role here. Looks really intriguing. It will be on Paramount+. Plus. So how about that? Paramount Plus doing something good. And also, I have to mention the Muppets Mayhem because Dr. Teeth and his band are and always have been my very favorite Muppets. And the fact that they have their own series is amazing. And then there's also Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies. I may have mentioned on the show before that I love the movie Grease. I've probably seen it a million times. And even though maybe it's not always so perfectly politically correct, I think that they could do some really fun things with a Pink Ladies series. And then as far as movies go, yes to everything that has been mentioned so far, but also The Haunted Mansion. That's my favorite ride at Disney, and I am super excited for a new movie based on that ride. Yeah, I mean, the subject matter is promising, but then again, I I think some of us will remember the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie. So it has oh, to we remember it. It, just, it has to work. You know, yeah. yeah. It, it hopefully will be better than that one. But I, I think that there is more impetus to get it right this time, too. Yeah. A dear friend of this podcast actually worked on that production and I interviewed him once about it. And he was just pretty honest about the fact that the timing of the film made everyone realize they had picked exactly the wrong story at the wrong time. And they kind of, you know, sometimes you get paralyzed by indecision where you make one bad step and then you get self-conscious about whether everything you're 
you're doing is wrong. That's kind of what happened with the Haunted Mansion. There is just no excuse for something based on the Haunted Mansion to be anything less than excellent. I watched the joy in Kim's face whenever she rides Haunted Mansion, and she really is eight years old forever on that thing. All we need from a movie is something that will bring out that joy, and it's such a big target because it's half horror and half comedy, and that should be, you know, just an easy wheelhouse. And so I have every confidence in the world this will make people forget about the 2003 version, but then again, there was once upon a time where I thought a Country Bears movie sounded pretty good, and well, you know... And I have several others that we may circle back around to, but for video games, Fire Emblem Engage is coming out January 20th, and it's kind of a follow-up to Fire Emblem Three Houses or a full release game, unlike the previous Fire Emblem game. And I am super excited about that. David will acknowledge I love the Fire Emblem series. I've played it for many years, and this one looks really cool. That'll be three months where I never see Kim's face because she'll be staring <laughs> You're staring at your switch. Yes. So obviously, I mean, you know, we're Disney Marvel people. So there's a lot of stuff that's lined up for 2023. That's our wheelhouse. I'm actually going to start here off the board. I want to mention another comic book series. We're coming to the end on Umbrella Academy. If you've watched the start of season three, you know, it begins with the Footloose sequence, which makes absolutely no sense (laughs) until you, you know, see it. But it's just pure joy. That's kind of what Umbrella Academy has always been. Just going back to the comics, it's just inventive and really, really upbeat in the way it tells story. And for the same reason, I am really excited about Ironheart, which is the Disney Plus series that is going to show the character of Riri Williams, who we just saw for the first time in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Really one of the best Marvel characters created in the 2000s. And now she's going to get her own standalone series and just keep being a dazzling dazzling character and we're also going to get loki season two and kim i know that we've talked about this a lot there are other marvel series i like better but loki's pretty high on the list for you isn't it loki is pretty darned near my favorite of the series other than the fact that agatha is one of my favorite characters but as far as all the way across just great characters that I like. Loki has them all. And King the Conqueror, he's going to be doing stuff because we've got Ant-Man Quantumania coming up. It's going to be a really interesting tie-in as those two come together. If we're mentioning the Marvel series on Disney+, Plus, I'm going to make a shout out here for season three of The Mandalorian, as well as the uh, Star Wars Ahsoka series that's uh, coming up as well. There's a couple of big Star Wars universe series that I'm really looking forward to in 2023. Do we think that like Andor was a one-off or do we think that somebody is actually doing their job and ensuring that everything from this point forward is just going to be exceptional? I don't know about exceptional. It all certainly ties together, but... But Andor is a different degree of quality compared to the other Star Wars shows, unquestionably. I'm looking forward to there maybe being another season of Andor. I sure hope that there is. I feel that there was a a lot left unfinished at the end of that season. These other series with Mandalorians and Jedis and Baby Yoda, all of that exists almost at a a different plane than, uh, than Andor. Yet it is all part of the same universe and it all ties together. Some of it is just... Just frivolous light entertainment and then there's 
And then there's Andor. I'm happy to have both of it. For right now, we're going for the frivolous and light, but I certainly hope we come back to the much higher quality tier of content that we saw with Andor sooner rather than later. I love both the character of the Mandalorian and, of course, of Grogu. So I am pretty excited for Mandalorian as well. We should throw in uh, some other Marvel titles here. We know that the people working at Marvel view Secret Invasion as the Avengers endgame of the television shows. Now, I don't think that comparison quite works because it's not going to tie together 15 different stories simultaneously, so it can't have that oomph. But the point is, it is going to be, you know, like a blockbuster event type thing. And there's some rumors out there that if they happen, you can just guarantee it's going to be like one of the buzz shows in the first half of 2023. But I'm actually more focused on the second half because there's two other shows I'm hoping release then. They're kind of flexible right now. It's a fluid situation and it could go either way. But Kim, Agatha Coven of Chaos is pretty much going to be your happy place in life, isn't it? Yeah, actually, Marvel has a couple things that are going to be my happy place. And this is definitely one of them. Agatha is a great character. I love her and all of the cast members that they have joining the show, but particularly Aubrey Plaza. Holy cow, that is awesome. Patty Lapone just joined the cast as well. They're doing everything they can to just increase the amount of talent so that this coven does seem formidable in every way. I'd just like to welcome everyone else to the Catherine Hahn bandwagon. I've been on it 15 years. Where have you all been? <laughs> It looks on paper like it's going to be a brilliant show. It's just a question of whether it comes out in 2023 or 2024. Similarly, I'm not 100% sure we're going to get X-Men 97 in 2023, but that's what it's currently scheduled for. And, you know, I've already waited 20 years for it. I guess I can wait another few months more if it's delayed, but hell yes. Hell yes. X-Men yes. the Animated Series was one of the greatest things on 1990s television, wasn't it, Kim? It was. It was fantastic. This was on in a time when I watched a lot of animation anyway, including this and Batman the Animated Series and some other shows as well. But this was a show I always set aside time for and looked forward to. And I am so excited that they are continuing the story right from where they left off, basically. Speaking of animated series, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is another Marvel comic adaptation coming to Disney Plus, but it will be an animated series. And I loved the comic book and the characters are cute and fun. And I, I think that that will be a fun for all ages type show. Oh, that's good because they're both Marvel snap cards and I had no idea what they were. <laughs> Along with Ironheart as well. So I'm excited to find out what, what these characters finally are in 2023. Since we're talking animation right now, I'm going to give a shout out to the last, I think, two specials for the Owl House on Disney Channel. The last season got truncated on Disney Channel. And instead of doing a full season, what the creators of the Owl House did was they, I believe, made three extra length episodes or specials. The first one aired this year, and I believe the last two are coming up in early 2023. This is probably the last for a long time of these spectacularly great Disney Channel animated series with series long narratives that go back to the days of Gravity Falls and Star versus the Forces of Evil and other shows like that. It's going to be sad to see the Owl House end, but I'm very looking forward to the conclusion. And Cartoon Network and HBO Max, at least for the moment, have a show called Craig of the Creek, which I've been uh, watching with my kids. Season five 
is coming up. The HBO Max cuts meant that, in fact, I believe they cut seven episodes of this last season, the fifth season, but it looks like it still may get a movie. This is something that Cartoon Network has been doing for some time now, like with We Bear Bears and Steven Universe, where they do a series. And when the series concludes, they then do a movie. So it looks like Craig of the Creek will be getting its fifth season, although a shortened fifth season and then a movie. And I'm really looking forward to that one as well. So there's one show that I was waiting for Kim to mention and she hasn't yet. And I guess I'll take it because, you know, it is the greatest television show of all time. We're getting new Futurama in 2023. I would not have thought that possible for the longest time because there was a finality. Obviously, this is a show that's had, oh, yes. this show will I, not die. It's been I think multiple it's had times. three different series finales. I'm not joking. It has, yeah. <laughs> there was the one that was kind of accidental. There was the one after they did the straight to DB movies that was intentional. And then when Comedy Central gave the show a pickup, it had the one very, very finite ending, except it did kind of get a little bit open in at the end. And when when Disney picked up all its assets, it kind of looked around and, and went, you know, our social signals for Futurama are outstanding compared to some of the other stuff we got. We should just do some of that. And it hasn't gone great. I, I want to emphasize that. John DiMaggio, who's like, yeah. you know, the voice of Bender is so important to this product, basically said they were really, really getting screwed on salary. And he held out until he basically got the same money he was making before, which is just depressing. I mean, I don't know what Disney's doing there. If you have to hold out just to keep your current salary, there's a problem. But in terms of show quality, Futurama takes my breath away. It is so brilliant. It's so great. There, there are jokes from Futurama that are still applicable today. I, I mean, you yep. watch some of the election episodes and you can yep. stick them on every two years and they will seem just as relevant no matter what. I cannot wait for a new season of Futurama and I'm hopeful that it's the show that never dies. And it might be because they keep trying to kill it and it never stays down. <laughs> yep, exactly. And speaking of a show I hadn't mentioned, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the return of Justify which is another super fantastic show coming back to us soon. Raylan Givens returns in City Primeval. Shoot it into my veins. <laughs> I am not even joking. This is my favorite drama of the 21st century over Battlestar Galactica and over Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul. This is my everything because I am a Southerner and this is the rare show that actually gets the Southern lifestyle correct. And I think part of it is because they mainly cast Southerners. Yeah. And in fact, the new antagonist for this series is also a native Kentuckian and just seems like the perfect addition. Justified as the series had a brilliant structure. It had a villain of the week, a villain of the season, and a villain of the series. They're going to have to do all three at once with this, and I cannot wait to see how much they pull it off. Yep, and along those same lines, we mentioned the upcoming John Wick film. We also have the series based on The Continental, which is the hotel there, and I am so here for that. I have always thought that that the universe that has been created in John Wick is 
so fascinating. And I'm really excited to dive in and learn more about what the vision is for that place. Tim, you'd mentioned previously, they announced Hades 2 coming up in 2023. I assume that's going to be on your list of games you're looking forward to? Oh, yeah. I mean, predicting games for the upcoming year is sometimes odd because a year ago, nobody would have expected a game on Steam that costs like four bucks and literally all you do is move would be one of the best and most played games of 2022. But there's a couple things that I and multiple people are excited for. Obviously, Hades 2, uh, Steam Early Access release sometime in 2023. Please be sooner than later. Uh, We're getting a game called Starfield, a new Bethesda IP, which the elevator pitch is Skyrim in space. I mean, give me Fallout 5, really, but I'll take it. I don't even like Skyrim, and yet Skyrim in space sounds like the hottest idea imaginable. I don't know why it took so long, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a brand new brand new IP for them, so it, it's on a lot of people's radars. Diablo 4 uh, will finally see light of day, but Blizzard is still canceled. AEW Fight Forever, um, please don't suck. I mean, it's been a long time since it's been a good wrestling game, so hopefully this one is 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 it. I know Kenny Omega is involved somehow, right? Making yeah, sure it's not making sure it's good. He is. Yeah, he's definitely involved, and I. I feel like they're putting a good amount of time into it. That's one thing I think is encouraging. They'll tease little things. You know, you feel like, okay, well, that must mean the game's coming soon. And then it doesn't come soon. It doesn't, so. Yeah, there, there is, it has no release date, but it's expected no. sometime this year, in 2023 yeah. at least. So we'll see. I would I will give that a shot when it's, when it's out. Yep, um, fingers crossed. But it'll actually be available on Xbox Ultimate, which means it'll be free to play on day one for people to check it out. So there's that. Oh, good to know. Those are the, the big ones. I mean, the, all you have to do is search games in 2023 and the, depending on what your favorite genre is, I'm sure there's something coming out. Otherwise, hopefully more new MSC3K content. The initial Gizmoplex launch run is coming to to an end. They're doing a couple more live streams and maybe some some shorts and then Joel will slowly announce if there's going to be a season 14. I would imagine a crowd, another crowdfunding effort just from more episodes, but at least they've got that back end already, already built. So maybe it'll be cheaper. One thing that doesn't have a, uh, a date, but uh, as far as shows go that but i'm sure is coming in 2023 only murders in the building season three. Oh, unquestionably that and kim there was a show on your list that's coming back in 2023 as well absolutely ted lasso is also yeah in 2023 yay i guess they were gonna try for this year but i think they really want to get it right i think so too yeah and that's probably why it got delayed because i i did kind of expect that we would get it this year, but I'll, I'll take next year and I'm hoping for a satisfactory conclusion to that that whole story because this this is going to be the last one, right? Or will Apple just back up the money truck and say, like, please make more? Well, Sudeikis has said that he wants this to be the last season. We'll just see how honest yeah, that is. Yeah, we'll see if they, have, if they yeah. can convince him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the big things on my on my radar for next year. Apple's really hard to pin down in terms of what's coming up. Uh, it is. Yeah, they do have Time Bandits on their schedule or a television series based on Time Bandits. Yeah, that one's been flying under the radar for some time. I do anticipate it in 2023. Mm-hmm. And if it comes out, I'm going to be very excited. This is based off of a cult movie from the 1980s. But I am very fond of that movie. So I'm looking forward to that coming out. They've also been working with Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks on their latest World War II epic called Masters of the Air about World War II bomber pilots. And that that miniseries is coming up sometime in 2023 as well on Apple TV+. 
I am sure they will come around with a bunch of things that totally come out of nowhere and surprise us, which seems to be the case quite a bit. And a lot of times it's quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I believe Severance Season 2 mm-hmm. is probably due in 2023 as well. But Could be, yeah. They just do not market things very well, but at not the same time, time. I feel like they don't need to. When they have something that's good, it just catches fire all on its own. I agree with you. They don't seem like they care about marketing things mm-hmm. because they know that if it's good, people will watch it. And I feel like they like having that sort of niche audience. Tim had mentioned a, a Hulu series earlier, Only Murders in the Building. Another Hulu series coming up in 2023 is The Full Monty. Not a remake, oh, yes. not a reboot, but an actual sequel to the sequel. Uh, British raunchy comedy about men in a blue collar town who decide that they're going to become uh, exotic dancers. That one looks very interesting and the original cast, including Robert Carlyle, are going to be back. Now more wrinkled than ever. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've given Amazon any love, but we do have to mention, I believe 2023 is the year of the last season for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Season five, it's coming up. Yeah, it is intended to be the final season, and hopefully it ends with her successful. I'll pop back over to movies because there's one we have not mentioned. And I think it's a pretty big and important one because it's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That original film was so creative and unique and fantastic. And I think that we will see this one do extremely well. If we're talking about animated movies, I see David's got the Super Mario Brothers movie on his list. Hey, it's got to be better than Halo, right? (laughs) It's a me, Mario. Or the the first Super Mario Brothers movie. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I have to say, I I think that is one of the shiniest trailers. Like, that could be a James Cameron production. So I'll watch it for that reason alone. And it seems to have the right tone, as does... God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. The Barbie movie. Yes, I know that. Yeah. (laughs) But my family was way crazy into the Barbie movie trailer. Like, they were like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And when we did, it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's a fun trailer. It had the Adams family kind of sense of humor where it's not taking anything seriously in the best possible way. Yeah, it, there's there's definitely a hint that it's in on the joke. So, yeah, that actually bodes well in its favor. Yeah, I think that's really important that it not take itself overly seriously. And it clearly doesn't. The trailer itself is funny. And then it just gives you that really quick tease of what, what we're going to see in it. I'm just real excited for it. <laughs> You know, though, all kidding aside, I am so disappointed in all of you. How have we made it this far into this podcast without saying the magic words, cocaine bear? (laughs) Okay, yeah, I will see a movie in theaters before I see Mission Impossible. Okay, yeah, it'll be that one. The bear is on cocaine. There are a couple other movies we haven't mentioned yet that I think deserve some love. The Dungeons and Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves, seems like it might be the first Dungeons and Dragons movie that was created by people who'd actually ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons before then. So (laughs) that's reason enough for me to be excited about it. I know it's very low expectations, but it's still something. And also, Kim, I can't believe you haven't mentioned there's an Evil Dead movie this year. There is an Evil Dead movie, but it's not a Sam Raimi or Bruce Campbell Evil Dead movie. So I'm kind of like... So it's not canon to you is what you're saying? Uh, It could be canon. I just am not, if it's not Ash, I'm not really interested. 
there was a movie you loved that you haven't mentioned yet, and that was The Meg. There's a Meg sequel coming out. Yes, there is a Meg sequel. That's hilarious. Kind there's, of reminds me of Jaws 4 using the ad slogan of this time it's personal. <laughs> how is how are these people like back in a sequel? <laughs> I mean, if I have one encounter with like a giant sea monster, I never go back and see again. <laughs> Why haven't you learned? <laughs> what about the Marvels, Kim? Yeah, the Marvels is going to be pretty exciting, isn't it? Because we've got Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel and just all the different Marvel type people joining together. All right, I'm trying to lead you here and you're just not playing along. There are a lot of Disney titles coming out. You don't want to throw some love to The Little Mermaid or to uh, Disney's Wish or Elemental? Yes, I was waiting to get to those. Yes, Disney's Wish is the return of Jennifer Lee from Frozen. So that one stands to be very exciting. And then Elemental looks so good. It's so beautiful. I think this is where Pixar returns to form, really. Timing was against some of the Pixar films over the last couple of years, and that's because of the pandemic. Soul was released straight to Disney+, Plus, kind of a Christmas gift, and then Turning Red also debuted on Disney+, Plus, followed by then Lightyear, which I kind of get the feeling that people were in a pattern of expecting these things to come on Disney Plus. By that point, they had almost been trained to conditioned. Just, just wait and yeah. the, the Pixar movie will be on Disney Plus because Lightyear, granted, it wasn't the best reviewed Pixar movie, but it didn't do all that well relatively to, to, to the others. So the thing about Elemental is it looks shiny. It's about a water elemental falling in love with a fire elemental. So, you know, it's Romeo and Juliet in that sense, but it looks visually stunning and it just really looks like the next great Pixar title. And I think it'll remind people, oh, right, Pixar, we love everything they do. All right. It looks like we're coming to the end. Uh, is there anything left on your list, Kim, that you haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, I have a couple items. First of all, not only do we have the Dune sequel in theaters, but we also have Dune The Sisterhood, presumably coming to HBO Max. Who knows with the way that they treat their properties. But I think the Bene Gesserit are one of the most interesting pieces of the Dune universe. And I, I think it'll be really cool to have a series based around them. And then I'll close it out with The Fall of the House of Usher. I love Edgar Allan Poe, and I love this story, and Mike Flanagan is great. This will be his final show on Netflix, I believe, so let's hope for a good one. David, anything on your list that we didn't mention? Mainly just video games. There's a Resident Evil 4 remake. It's a running joke in my family. Kim and I loved Resident Evil 4 so much that <laughs> we got other members of our family addicted, and we will be, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner talking about Chainsaw saw grannies. So this is a thing that's been happening with the Resident Evil franchise where they're retelling the same stories with better graphics and improved storylines. Resident Evil 4 was already nearly perfect, so I cannot wait to see what they do there. And then finally, the Destiny franchise has been ongoing for the body of a decade now. It debuted in 2014. Well, Lightfall is right around the corner, and when it gets here, that will be the conclusion to the story. You know, they can always start something else. It's a video game. I'm realistic about that. But this is theoretically the conclusion of a nine-year journey for them, and it happens in March. So it is a huge, huge deal because there's been two Destiny games, and there's probably been about 10 DLC packs that 
that lasts, you know, three to six months. So this is kind of like if World of Warcraft had ended in 2015. All right, then. Well, as we wrap up, I'm just going to toss one more thing in there. I'm going to be very excited to see how Girls 5 ever does on Netflix because I'm waiting for that redemption. It's making those ratings. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We don't have ratings this week, but it looks like we might have some box office news. Tim, what's the latest? Avatar go brr. I'm way too, I am way too online. Yeah. As we kept saying, like, don't worry, it's coming. It's going to happen. Here comes Avatar. Just wait till Christmas. It'll happen. And yeah, it's, it, it, it's happening. It had a terrible calendar configuration with Christmas Eve falling on a Saturday, but then on Christmas Sunday, took in. 29 million. And then even on Monday, the day after Christmas, 32 million. And then it's been over 20 million every day this week. We are recording a little early this week. So we don't, we only have Tuesday and Wednesday, but those numbers are very good. It's at 338 million already in just two weeks. It will not keep up this pace, but it is technically trending ahead of the first avatar at this point. But that's because the numbers are slightly uh, different and it's just wildly different box office periods. But yeah, it's done extremely well. Just as we, we kept saying, it, this week was going to be absolutely huge for it. And it's going to be over $400 million by the time you hear this, actually. Yeah. The thing I want to emphasize is if you look at its first Monday and Tuesday in theaters, it earned right at $35 million domestically. It's like $34.6 million. On the Monday and Tuesday of this week, it earned 32.3 and then 24.1 million and then 20.6 million on the Wednesday. In other words, it's made more on its second set of weekdays than its first week. And that is because of holiday inflation. But it also demonstrates the fact I was hopeful this would be at 350 million by January 1st. Instead, it should be at 350 million the day we're recording this podcast Mm -hmm. and could approach 400 million by January 2nd. In other words, this film has passed the test of whether or not Avatar was memorable enough that people would want to see a sequel. The one caveat is as opposed to a plethora of Christmas releases and holiday releases, there's effectively two films in theaters right now, Avatar and the Puss in Boots sequel, which just sort of came out of nowhere for me. So it's like if people do have time to see movies, so I guess they're just choosing Avatar. But no, I think like 400 million by January 1st, people were definitely interested in in Avatar no matter how long it took. Yeah, at a minimum, it'll get there soon afterward. The one addition we should make here is uh, The Way of Water has faced the worst possible calendar configuration and the international box office is just like totally against it because Disney is currently having issues with the Middle East. You can't release anything in Russia right now for various reasons. And then China is in the midst of an absolutely horrible outbreak, like the worst outbreak of COVID-19 since this all started. So it is just an impossible time to be a theatrical release that is a Hollywood production trying to play in other markets. So it is not going to be the $2.8 billion box office champion, but you shouldn't hold it to that criteria. It is a very, very successful film, in my opinion. We always close out with what's been keeping us busy over the past week. And David and I watched Knives Out, Glass Onion. It was fantastic. I had so much fun with it. I'm going to be honest, I don't even care about the mystery, and I didn't think that the mystery was that tough to solve. It didn't matter. It was just about the characters and how they interacted with each other and the jokes. Benoit Blanc has really developed into a fun character. I know we'll have another Knives Out movie at some point, and I'm just thoroughly looking forward to it. 
How about you, Raul? Well, I've used the holidays as an opportunity to watch some movies with my kids. We did watch Glass Onion, which we love. There's one particular scene about halfway through, which just had us rolling in laughter. A delightful reveal, which we loved. It's a great movie. It's entertaining. I love the cameos. It's totally worth watching. I also had an opportunity to watch. For me, it was rewatch, but uh, for my kids, it was their first time watching The Social Network. It's not a Christmas movie, but it is still an incredibly well-written story. There's an entirely new perspective in watching this movie today versus when it was originally released, because as you see it, you realize just as more people get added to the narrative and the history of Facebook, you realize just how more and more terrible each new person is. Watching this movie in retrospect, it's, it's fascinating. It still carries some weight. It may even be more relevant today than the day it was released, even though Facebook itself is you know not a popular social platform anymore. Watched uh, Disenchanted on Disney+, Plus, which was okay. I will say that the parallels between Disenchanted and WandaVision are shocking. I don't believe they're intentional, but the two stories are incredibly similar. It's really weird. But I think my favorite watch over the last uh, week was probably the Muppets Christmas Carol. Of course, I, I've watched all the necessary and obligatory holiday specials. Die Hard, Elf, A Christmas Story. But boy, Muppets Christmas Carol just hooks you. I wasn't intending to watch it. I was looking for that deleted scene uh, that we mentioned recently. And uh, and so I just hit play on it. And within a minute or two from uh, the movie starting, I was totally hooked. I don't know how blasphemous this is, but I feel this is the best adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Compared- a lot of people say that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, absolutely. I've heard that before. Even compared to, say, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I'm a big Mickey fan, or some uh, some of the uh, older classics or even, you know, the Bill Murray uh, Scrooged version, which I like a lot. But mm-hmm. no, the Muppets Christmas Carol is fantastic for a movie that is full of puppets. It is incredibly full of emotion. Everyone, even the uh, puppet characters, emote so well. Uh, you're scared when you're supposed to be scared. You laugh when you're supposed to laugh. It is just very well done. I realize it's not Christmas anymore, so you're probably not going to watch it now, but be sure to have it on your watch list for next year. All right, Tim, how about you? So, you know, my running thing about how even though Netflix bought the rights to the Knives Out sequels, Knives Out isn't on Netflix, but actually on Amazon Prime Video. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it turns out it's not even free with a Prime subscription. (laughs) So in somewhat related news, I paid $4 to watch Knives Out on Amazon Prime. (laughs) Just so I could prepare because I I missed it when it was in theaters. If it was streaming, ever streaming somewhere else, and I'm going to guess it wasn't because it's a licensing nightmare. uh, I didn't didn't have a chance to watch it, but I was going to be at my parents for the holidays and they were excited to watch Glass Onion. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll need to see Knives Out. And yeah, absolutely well worth the $4. And then I think I enjoyed Glass Onion even more. You knew as you were kind of saying, Kim, I think you kind of knew where they were going, but I just couldn't wait to see how they got there. Mm-hmm. And that was great. It's almost like Ryan Johnson's good at this or something. <laughs> uh, I, 
he made the good Star Wars movie and of the of the the, the, later, the later three sequels. Yes, that ex- they exist, David. I mean, hilariously, he did make the good one, and then they pretended like it never. And then existed. and then and then J.J. Abrams pretended it never happened, and that's why Nine sucked. But yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, both are, are are excellent. People are hyped up like they can't wait. Daniel Craig should be more remembered for being Benoit Blanc than he should for James Bond. By the time he's done with this, is what is, mm-hmm. is the theme on 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 Twitter this this week. So yes, I'm I'm in, in that boat. People were like, oh yeah, he was also that James Bond, wasn't he? But even even though uh, they, they want him to be even remembered for uh, for this character, but I mean, they're getting at least one more. Um, word is both are interested as long as Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig are both interested in more as long as the other one is. So hopefully they just keep making these until they just get tired of it. Yeah, I honestly think that Pimwa Blanc is a more interesting character than James Bond. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like... Yeah, there's so many things, like they can go so many directions with with, yeah. with him in, in yeah. future movies. So And yeah. there's, there's a lot, much like the glass onion or like an onion, he has many layers and a lot exactly. to uncover, you know, and how much do we know about him yet? I think there's a lot more that we could learn. Yes, I could and be tying, t- tying into something you mentioned real, how about Benoit Blanc with Muppets? Mm, there you go. That'd yeah. be great. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yes, if you if you haven't already, I knew we were all going to talk about it in some capacity. But yeah, watch Glass Onion. Yes, and David. Well, all right. Uh, my thunder has been stolen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Glass Onion <laughs> best movie I've seen in 2022. Period. And honestly, nothing else really even approaches it. I was in love with it from the opening bell that never really went away. Kim's right; it's not much of a mystery, but that's not really the point. It is a fun ride, and it has some things to say. And most of the things it has to say are brilliant. For example, my favorite thing is that Dave. <laughs> character is a very, very, um, let's say, sexist influencer. And he acts like, you know, he's one thing when it's readily apparent he's the other thing. And the reason why is we learned very early on his mother's a savant. And so he's been raised by this extremely talented woman and he realizes that he doesn't measure up. And so he kind of tells himself all women are terrible and men are better because that's the way he has to deal with sex. Little things like that throughout the film work brilliantly. And I I love them all. And the other thing, we can't really talk about it right now, but the timing of this film. Oh, oh, I, yeah. How, how is it the most timely movie of 2022? So perfect. So weird. How do they do that? Not even just 2022. Like it's been a long time since a film takes such a strong opinion of something that's seemingly controversial. And then. Somebody just seems to be going out of their way to prove it right as much as humanly possible. It's astounding. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So, yeah, we we only watched one thing this week because Kim was actually on a lovely little vacation with her parents. And I just wrote all week. But the one thing we watched was so perfect. I didn't need anything else. Yeah. Besides that, I've watched a lot of Jeopardy (laughs) because that is a must watch at my parents' house. I am a regular Jeopardy watcher. Uh, I've been watching it on uh, uh, broadcast television as I have cable or at least had cable up until this morning. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was pretty much the only show I was still watching watching on uh, broadcast television mm-hmm. and unfortunately i was notified of a uh, upcoming price hike by comcast and uh, while it was not altogether difficult i did have to speak to a comcast customer rep and cancel my cable i will continue to use their internet access but i am done 
with broadcast television. I think you were the last one of us, so we're officially all <laughs> streaming into the void now. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. Happy New Year, everyone. 